Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to Spiritual Graffiti. Um, Pete and I are here. Hey, Pete. Hello, Ruby. <laughs> um, today, our guest is Criselda Pacheco. She is an ordained Gnostic priestess. Um, she's the founder of the Lilith Academy and a bunch of other stuff. We're really excited to talk to her. How are you doing, Criselda? Oh, I'm living the dream. You know how it is. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm living the dream today precisely, but I like your attitude. Um, so yeah, like we were talking, you know, just before the podcast and, um, you know, you said you, that you're kind of hesitant to call yourself a priestess because like a lot of people throw that term around and it's kind of like eye roll, you know, a little bit. Um, but you were actually like ordained um, and like, I don't know, maybe tell us a little bit about, about that. and then. Mm-hmm. We can start there, maybe. Sure. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I was talking about the whole eye roll thing, and when you were asking me about how to introduce me, and and you know, since we're talking about spirituality and we're all part of the spiritual community and we're all seekers, you know, I wanted to share with you about my my consecration as a priestess. But I was sort of like eye rolling because you know, on Instagram and TikTok and social media everywhere these days, it seems like there's a whole bunch of priestesses. <laughs> And, uh, and that's, you know, and I just, I have a thing about that. So, but I actually am an, a consecrated uh, Gnostic priestess, um, which means that I went through a similar, uh, experience and initiatory experience that priests would go through. But since women cannot be priests, you know, in, in terms of the yeah. Catholic church, for instance, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're relegated to the underground. <laughs> so you know okay um that's what it is yeah yeah mm-hmm. fair enough um but i think that's cool you're like i'm gonna figure out a way to you know do this anyway um well what how what is the <clears throat> what is that initiation process like you right maybe we just need to start further back like what got you into spirituality in the first place well i think that maybe like a lot of people and i don't know your stories but um it seems that in all the work I've done and in observing my own life, right, um, a lot of suffering is what forces people to start being a little more introspection, a little bit more introspective, right? Uh, where, I don't know, we just suffer and suffer and maybe finally some kind of catalytic event occurs, an extreme loss, some trauma, where we're forced to face the abyss, like truly face it now. And I think my, my life was a series of, of these sorts of personal initiations. And mm-hmm. um, and then finally, when I was about, because I'm 50, when I was about 39, 40 years old, I faced one loss after the other. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and it just, it really forced me to look at patterns in my life and <laughs> take mm-hmm. take accountability in ways that I thought I had, I had already taken accountability but, um, I needed to go deeper. And so that's what I did. I mean, it was like death loss, losses of people that I love through death and also through a really bad breakup and then poverty and just a lot of things all at once. And I finally had to wave the white flag and realize that I was the one in common with all of these experiences. And I needed Mm -hmm. to take a deeper look at why I was allowing myself to be treated certain ways. Um, 
just a lot. You know what I mean? Like when you finally face, have yeah. to face yourself. No, I relate to a lot of that. Right. Right. Um, right. Suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what started me kind of, I mean, I was like dabbling in things like tarot and astrology. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what really kind of sent me into a like deep seeking, like what the fuck am I doing? So, What's right. my like, purpose? That was like, um, yeah, like a, a a breakup and some other mm. like significant losses. Um, quit, like lost my job. Um, mm. wanted to totally change careers anyway because I was like realizing I don't even believe in like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right, right. It's it's one of those things that um, I think a lot. There are a lot of people that are more victimized than others, but we are all victimized, right? On on a spectrum, just like everything is on a spectrum. And um, mm. I think that the more initiatory experience we have with victimization and um, oppression and, and also suppression, then the more opportunity we, we have, you know, toward gaining a deeper wisdom uh, as well. And so, you know, these, these awakening events in our lives that force us, we have to finally look at ourselves and take accountability. What, what is it that I can control? What is it that I can, how can I turn my own poison into my own medicine? Because no one else is going to do that for me. And I'm realizing this, that this has been a lie um, this whole time that I'm, I'm here to be rescued. You know, how, yeah. how do I rescue myself, even if things are unfair? And some people have to face more unfairness than others. But at the end of the day, we still are responsible somehow to figure that out. Yeah. yeah, I think we both would agree agree with that. And it's not to yeah, I, I like the way that you put it, because it's not to say that we don't experience things that are, um, you know, like out of our control and just like unfair. Um, but everybody does. And at, yeah. like at a certain point, you know, identifying yourself as a victim or feeling like everything's so unfair is just mm-hmm. holding you back. And it's like, it's not that we don't have sympathy, right? right? Like, <laughs> um, I don't think people ask for bad shit to happen mm-hmm. necessarily. But I do think like, if you want things to change, it's, it comes from with it. You know? uh, yeah, I want to, I have a question kind of, and it ties into Gnosticism. I mean, it might be whatever, but um, I was thinking about like, obviously the Gnostic belief of like, this is kind of we're trapped here in our physical body and um like do you think the the collective like victim mentality kind of stems from feeling like we're kind of stuck here or like um you know like the victim of being like put in this physical suffering you know is that where maybe the collective idea or the victim mentality comes from or like maybe they stem I, I think from? that it's a it's I think it's a lot of things at once and um I think that there are people that have levels of awareness of, of that truth and <laughs> I tend to think that you know in general humanity is still so much in its infancy infancy stage where we're still looking we're still mad at mom and dad for being here at all. <laughs> you 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how can yeah. you bring me here and not have to suffer here? I can't just stay in the womb of this primordial creation, just floating around with the fairies somewhere else um, in bliss, right? But here we are. Um, here we are mm-hmm. trapped in this carbon-based life form and we have to suffer and to, to experience rebirth and remembrance. Um, and it's just, you know, so that in this big picture, yes. And the big picture of like humanity, yes. The answer is yes. But, um, when we, when we sort of like start to zoom into the more finer details, I think that this is true on a spectrum. I think that the more comfortable people are on earth, like they have the resources, um, they have access to resources or, or access to comfort somehow, the less that they, they will wonder about these things, you know, and um, the less they need to wonder about these things. And I think that, so they're not, so people like that, they're not really the people that I would look to for wisdom, you know, because they haven't been tested in the same ways that others who have been tested through poverty through sickness, um, through different sorts of oppressions. Um, they haven't been tested that way. You know what I mean? So the more you suffer, the closer you are to asking these deeper philosophical questions because you're forced to do it, but the more comfortable you are. So see, when we, when we look at the big picture as humanity, yes, we're all like mad in some level that we're here, but the people who are comfortable are not, you know what I mean? They, they have a lot of freedom to move about. And, and so the answer is going to change for everybody depending on your position, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 No, totally. I mean, I always remember, like, I remember um, I ran the New York City Marathon and I was like, you know, proud of myself, like I'm running. And then I look oh. over and there's a guy with like a walker running it. And I'm just like, yeah, I think I'm such a badass for doing this. And it's like, this guy doesn't even have legs. And I'm like, you know, it's like, it's just like such a perspective because you see, you know, it's like you think you're tough or, you know, people, even modern men think they're tough, but it's like (laughs) when you had to hunt for every meal or, you know, like fight wild animals every day, it's like, it really is, you know, it's all perspective. And that's a great question. You know, the victim mentality, um, you know, Sigmund Freud talks about the death wish and that, you know, people long mm. secretly to just die, <laughs> to be released, right? To be liberated from, from this trap. A lot of philosophers talk about that. It's a, it's a conversation that goes on and on, right? We can find it in history. We can find it now. Uh, this idea of liberation and, and freedom. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Uh, and so on. So we can philosophize about that, you know, a lot over a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- definitely. That's true. Um, well, like, what do you think? Um, like, what was your, like, what did your liberation look like? Like, you know, what, um, or even, yeah, like, what did it feel like for you to have like maybe a death wish or to be like, you know, keeping yourself in situations that were just like not good for you? And, and how did you maybe free yourself from, I think that from your it's victim? It's an mentality? ongoing process. 
I think it's ongoing, ongoing until, you know, mm-hmm. we evaporate into the ethers, right? And we die and move on to some other story. But, um, and so I, I'm, I always say I'm, I'm actively liberating myself every day. I, I haven't been liberated. And I, I feel like anyone who says that, you know, <laughs> is a liar um, and, and doesn't really understand <laughs> what liberation means in the process of that. Um, you know, we got to stay humble and realize that just because we reach a certain point, there's always another opening. There's a one door opens up to a hundred more. And this process of awakening is, is always, um, Mm -hmm. ongoing. But when, when I first realized to this degree, to this level, like I said earlier, like in my forties, I, I really was tired of, I realized that I had been waiting to be rescued, even though I had never been married. I'd never, I never had kids. I I wasn't looking for Mr. Right. You know, I was a, I have a degree in English and journalism, but I started to strip and became a stripper um, because I didn't want to participate in the institution. And, and so I stayed on the edge of culture and nature and Mm -hmm. observed, you know, humans and their behavior <laughs> from that point of view, you know, for a long time. Cause I really just wanted to understand yeah. what the fuck was going on around here. Um, and so, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because I think, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're mentioning pe- people who have like a lot of privilege and a lot of freedom They they can kind of just like get in this bubble and be very like, unaware and and more or less disinterested in like what's going on in the world and it's like if you're actually you know out there um yeah you know seeing what like the regular people are doing you know and 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 just how like you know i I mean i I imagine that Mm -hmm. working in a strip club like you see some dark shit i'm Mm -hmm. sure it's not like a rap video like super like fun party like all the time i'm sure there's some um just like hard things that you you see people going through that gives you a certain mm-hmm. perspective on on the world you know just like you know seeing people who really are trapped in a situation um you know that's a, a lot of it's outside of their control you know they are it's like wow like right. people have no empathy sometimes you know i feel i feel like a particular um need to like try to be of service and helpful to people and and I think that like sort of stems from like from from seeing how much people are will are just willing to like throw up their hands and be like I don't want to yeah, do this. Right. I don't know what to do with this like person who needs help you know <laughs> but yeah I guess I, w- I would like to hear more about your experience doing sex work I think that's like a it seems like a pretty big jump to go from journalism although I do understand <laughs> maybe not wanting to work for like a media institution as like in I don't know what I don't know what time period that was, but it's I think it's been pretty. No, it really you know, it really has. You know, the irony is um, the reason I went into journalism is because I was very deeply invested in social justice issues. You know, I, I grew up in the west side of San Antonio, Texas, which is like, you know, it's like East L.A. You know, it's it's full of gang members, like gangs, and it's a Latino neighborhood. You know. Um, and really violent and, and a lot of poverty and, and government housing and things like that. So I grew up in, in that environment and, you know, I wanted to get out and I was raised by my grandparents. I was actually legally adopted by them who were a world war two generation. Mm-hmm. 
So I was raised by the World War II generation, by my, my grandfather who went and fought in, in Germany and earned a Purple Heart and came home. And, and, I, and I was able to get him when I was five years old. They legally adopted me. And so I, I actually got the man who was already retired and he was like 50. And here's this little girl. He was suddenly going to adopt at 50 years old, his granddaughter. And um, I, I was able to really benefit from being raised by the grandfather wisdom, you know, who who grew up in a house. Who, the floor was made of dirt. Like they didn't even have <laughs> floors, you know. Yeah, right. So, I mean. Yeah, that's perspective for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and going, yeah, fighting right. World War Two. like so, I imagine, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there. Oh yeah, my you god! Got, right, you, I know. You gain a certain amount of wisdom, uh, <laughs> and we don't really have mm-hmm. like people like my age. I'm like 33, but yeah, we don't really have a frame mm-hmm. of reference for that. You know, like, I think you know, it's just there's not been anything like that going on since I've been alive. Like, I mean, I know, like, you know, I I know some history and and that kind. Of, I have like some idea, but not in that way at all and I think that's like it's probably like really good for you like it yeah, probably it really, really did help you know? make you and, who and you so are in a way for, for me to, to be raised like that by you know a Latino Mexican-American grandparents and me, you know, my a male who's super hardcore Aries I don't know if you're into astrology but he was an Aries <laughs> on, on top of like being Mexican-American he was a little macho you know he <laughs> yeah. had six kids of his own and he adopted me and I was the seventh and I'm a girl, so you know they're Catholic, and there's all these, all those pieces, right? Um, and and so for me to have that story, and then to later on grow up and and dare to become a stripper, I mean, I I, <laughs> you know, that is like breaking a lot of rules all at one time. Yeah. But I didn't like the story that I saw in my family that the women were living out. I I saw that they were suppressed, and they had a lot of dysfunction and shame around sex and mm-hmm. their own autonomy, autonomy. They didn't, that wasn't something that, you know, Latino women knew, especially my grandmother's generation, you know, for sure. Right. The world war two. I mean, I think that's a lot of women in that generation in general. And then you add the cultural nuances to, to each space and, you know, just there's all these different flavors of suppression. And so I, I felt like I couldn't breathe and I, and I felt like something else was calling me in my life. And so I was the first to get my high school, the high school diploma and, and a college degree. And then I left and then went into mother Jones magazine. I don't know if you guys have heard of mother Jones magazine or not. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, my yeah, mom right. used to read that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Growing up. So yeah. I, I used to interesting. Uh, <laughs> subscribe to that magazine when I was in college and it was my favorite back then. And then I moved to San Francisco after graduating college. I landed a, a full-time unpaid internship at Mother Jones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. How did you well, get by in San Francisco? The thing is I became uh, Natalia at night at the Larry Flynn's Hustler Club. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I was like, hey, you know, can't. this is what I'm like, saying. Well, like I tried to work at the clothing store. I don't know if you remember that store or not. You might be too young for that. But um, there was a clothing store at the mall downtown. And I was like, yeah, this is not going to cut it. You know, I just, I got to eat. Um, so during the day, I was Priscilla Pacheco, investigative reporter at Mother Jones Magazine on like the 10th floor of Market Street downtown. And then at night, I was at, in North Beach 
Larry Flint's Hustler Club, literally underground. That's the club is underground. So I went all the way to the top and then literally all the way to the bottom. And every day was like a study in contrast for me um, from this world that I thought I wanted to be a part of in journalism and social justice media and all this. And they were so full of shit, these people. So full mm -hmm. of shit. And then the real, oh, real story yeah. of humanity mm -hmm. <laughs> and humans and who we are in a very primordial level was at night in that titty bar. You know, that was the true story. And man, I was like, this is it. This is where I belong. So I stayed there instead, you know. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that like, what a contrast, though. Like, I guess I, I didn't realize that there was like an overlap there. Um, that like you were, yeah, going back and forth between your like, internship and your, you know, work in the strip club and, and then like, getting up, the, you know, in the morning and going, you know, like, that just sounds um, like what an eye opening experience. And no wonder you like, are looking around at your day job being mm -hmm. like, y'all are full of shit. Like, I feel right. like, because it, it is a bubble like the you know like liberal media mm -hmm. like whatever you want to call it I guess it's the easiest way to say it um it is a bubble and like I mean I just feel like these people haven't seen anything of the real world so how can you write about things like oppression or uh like social justice kinds of issues like the things like mm -hmm. that when you haven't actually experienced or right. even like been right bared witness no it's true. i mean i think all media um, now whether it's conservative based or liberal it's all bought it's all corporate and and so there isn't really there's a mm. middle ground that is i feel is so desperate and wants to be born there is a a third point maybe is more more like it um to to be yeah, the secret third thing to be able to observe the duality. The secret third thing, <laughs> so that we can see the duality and not be stuck in one side or the other. You know, um, I think that there's that's where a wisdom point begins. Mm -hmm. I love right. that. I, yeah, like I think holding that's... space. Yeah, you know? allowing like just pure observance right and look, without, look for the sickness like an agenda. Right? see where where's the shadow in both of these places uh carl jung talks about it is in terms of holding the tension of the two opposites and to be able to do that we have to become a third point and and maybe able to, to be able to do that we have to get out of our own way we have to tell our ego and our own biases to just go to have a seat so i can take a more you know like a more pure look at this environment right yeah well like people get so hung like i was talking to you before the podcast about like the you know every, everything is a reflection of self and it's like you have to kind of look past duality right to kind of, of really to, understand to, anything um admit and confess that there is a duality we can't have a spectrum. We can't have nuance without first duality. Just in math, there's point one, point two makes point three. And this is just the natural law. You know what I mean? This is the law. Um, and so we have to say, yes, There's we got to go beyond a duality, but we have to confess and admit there is a duality. And how does that duality live in me? How do I see it living in the world? And then from that point, we can start to use this alchemy, right? We can start to um, 
create new elixirs, but we have to start with the basics. Yeah, well, I think like even when I spoke about like, um, you know, the reflecting of self and then people get triggered by th saying like, oh, I would never want war or I would never want oppression. But I think you have to kind of like the real shadow work is understanding that yes. at some level we're yes. all capable yes, absolutely. of darkness. Mm -hmm. And if and if you can't even and if you can't even look at that, then you're That's never exactly. gonna kind of move right through it. Yeah. I definitely understand like the point that you're making. I think I guess to me, if if we're saying everything is a reflection of self and you know that implies that everything you see in the world is like your mm. fault or something like that's how people hear that and so i'm like okay how can we explain it differently how can we like put it in a way that people can understand you know what i mean like because it is like on like you're totally right like we are all capable we've all done shitty things to people we've all like hurt someone or hurt ourselves or like mm -hmm. i mean i don't know you know there's most like forest mm -hmm. fires are saying by like someone throwing their cigarette out right like it's like did i want that did i ask for that not exactly but you didn't care either like you didn't see it coming or you didn't think you know you didn't think too much about it and i think that's like what happened i think that's where people kind of Act, their their reaction is so strong because mm -hmm. they do know that on some level they are just kind of indifferent um to like the horrors or whatever you know they want to think that they care and they're they'll get real loud on social media about it but ultimately in their day-to-day -day life like they mm -hmm. aren't real they're mostly most people are just thinking about themselves um and like that's how you get stuck in a vic victim mentality that's how you start to feel like you know why me because it's like to some degree mm -hmm. you know you're just like you're being too selfish and thinking too much about yourself I think like that's something my mom taught me like very young she's she's, she's a psychologist and I, I guess that she it's like I'm some psychological theorist maybe Adler but like some his like cure for depression mm -hmm. was to like be in service to others right like his idea of like how to get out of a of a dark state um and a you know depressed state was to like yeah. go do something for other people that's not about you <laughs> and i feel like she taught me that at a young age and it's always stuck with me because you know i do tend to get like depressed but i think it's a pretty selfish mm. mindset and i like you can't really say that cuz that's like you know you can't really say it like that to people but it's like it's true you're you're wallowing in your own misery and like i'll be the first to admit that i will absolutely do that but it, like the second i get out of my own like head and go like focus on something else even if it's just like i don't know like doing a favor for a friend mm -hmm. or like whatever like it's it can snap you out of it and i i don't know i get i guess it's all to say just the that yeah i think that some of the reaction that people have to the idea that everything happening is a reflection of of them and right their um like beliefs 
it's really because they don't want to take responsibility for those horrible things that are happening. It's not like we can't stop a war like individually, but we are right. We all are well, I, I like to talk about a couple of things um, in terms of you know because I I used to live I lived in Haiti for a year and I lived in Brazil a couple of times and the, when I first lived in Brazil was when I was 25 and I had been out of the country with my mom before, but it was like in Mexico and it, it's I'm in Texas. So it's like, it's, you know, it's right over here. It's, it doesn't feel like some foreign land really uh, for me. But when I went to Brazil, I, I, I saw for the first time slums. And like I said earlier, I grew up in a lower income neighborhood, very um, poor Latino, you know, uh, Section 8 housing. And I didn't live in Section 8 housing, but I was all around uh, the environment. So I knew that kind of violence and poverty, but it's first world poverty. And when I went to Brazil, which is a developing country, it's not considered a third world anymore. But when I was there, I saw the slums and that the favelas, right? The favelas. And so I was like, okay, that I realized with my own lived experience now, because I actually saw with my own eyes and experienced living there, uh, that, you know, everything's relative. Right. And, and so (laughs) first world poverty is one thing, developing country poverty is another thing. And third world poverty is something else. Right. And it's not about the oppression Olympics. And this is also why I hesitate bringing things like this up because I'm not, I don't want to participate in that kind of conversation because it's annoying, but it is annoying, but, but we we do have to acknowledge difference somehow we need to, because it is different. You know, when you're poor for the, for the most part in the United States, you probably still have Netflix, right? You probably still have some basic things more than likely unless you're out in the country and, and all these things, again, is on a spectrum, but for, for the most part, but when you're in the favelas, you're, you're, you're even today in 2024, you don't have a floor, you have dirt. You, you have, when rain, it rains, your house might literally mm-hmm. get flooded and then it might go down the street and go, it's like mudslides. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's not necessarily like that here mm-hmm. in, in poverty. So these things matter. Yeah. They do matter. How do we talk about those differences without coddling the victim mentality, right? Um, it's, like, it's like, but we need to. We need to figure out a way to do that because those are different yeah. levels of initiatory lived experiences. They're not the same. And each lived experience has a wisdom to contribute. And it's not the same wisdom. Do you know what I mean? And we have to, we're also worried because of the political climate and the language we use and Everybody wants to be more special than someone else and all of this. And it's this narcissism that's running the game there, right? But so, right. It is. Right. It's just so selfish. So then, like, like what is it that like, we can do to yeah. talk about these differences? Because they do matter. But without exacerbating this sort of vulnerable narcissism that we are seeing that's on the rise, you know, as well. So I hear, I hear what you're saying. Um you know, in Gnosticism, what that really is, uh, Pete, and you brought up the, you brought up the uh, idea behind that and being trapped in the physical realm, which is definitely a Gnostic mythology and philosophy and story. But what else is, is, 
you know, what's gnosis? Gnosis is, is the wisdom that you earned through your own lived experience. And what's going on is we're all so caught up in the external. We don't have it. We don't have interior lives of our own, not us here on the podcast. Right. But I mean, collectively in our culture, everything is so externalized. Um, and so gnosis is the way toward liberation by looking at what you, how do you know what you know? How did you learn or earn it? You know, it, yeah, that's basically what gnosis is. Yeah. Is, it's earning the wisdom through your own direct experience, but paying attention to it, not just having the experience and not paying attention to it, but truly paying attention to what you've lived through becoming a spiritual scientist. Right. Um, and, and this is what the Gnostics ultimately believe. Yeah. I mean, well, and then the, like another aspect of that for me is also like, you know, especially in terms of social media, right. It's like, we have to also learn to find the balance of mm -hmm. like being authentic to our own feelings, our own thoughts, our own emotions, and not trying to, you know, give in to anyone because it's like you're here to have like your authentic experience. So if like you from your heart are authentically feeling one way or another, you know, right. who gives a fuck what anyone else says? Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't fit right. the criteria or, you know, it's like <laughs> nowadays everybody's a star seed or they're this or they're <laughs> that. And it's like, like if I feel, you know, if I'm depressed, even though I'm in, you know, the position I'm in now, yeah. it's like, this is what I'm feeling. And there's a reason why I'm feeling this. And it's like, you're not going to be able to move through anything if you're not acknowledging That's right. yes. the truth of what you're feeling. You know, because a lot of people are trying to fit, uh -huh. like, what I'm supposed to feel, you know, <laughs> like, oh, like, the solar flares are giving me ascension symptoms, or like, you know, it's like, there's always, <laughs> no, but like, maybe you're depressed because you're not doing what you want to be doing. It doesn't have to be a solar <laughs> flare or the Schumann residence or, well, you yeah. know. It's this externalization, like, of like very personal experiences like everything's a conspiracy like i you know i don't know i mean yeah like you, you know, could I just mean, be feeling depressed it affects my moods but like <laughs> but right. also i might right. i'm just kind of moody like <laughs> i don't know um, i'm a cancer so i like i feel i do feel connected to the moon on some level but at the same time like my temperament as a person is kind of like up and down so like, yeah well, i mean no, I think like I think you know having experiences allows you, you know, experiences and suffering allows you to maybe learn to be mm -hmm. aware of things that you might not be aware of or like it teaches right. you to see patterns where maybe you wouldn't see patterns. You know, which is is very important, but it's also like you are coming from you you're coming from your perspective. So you have to like acknowledge that right. you may see things differently than somebody else. Because that's what that's like, right. you have to get no, you have to find gnosis through yourself. In in the end, instead of like some sort of practice 
or some sort of like mythology or religion or anything. Right. Like, and, and if we are practicing you observing and walking you. the path of gnosis, then um, you're, po- you're walking the path of the ex- like self-knowledge, right? And, and a true self-knowledge path will, like you said, Pete, you know, it, it's going to show you patterns. And this is really what a, a prophet is is somebody who's able to see patterns and therefore able to maybe predict, you know, what's coming. Um, it's not, it's, it, that's what it is, is being able to have pattern recognition. And in order to do that, you have to be observing yourself. You have to have the power of observation. You have to pay attention, right? Um, and the thing about the Gnostic path too, or the path of self-knowledge is it is about you but then what winds up happening is it helps you understand the world better too. And it helps you actually develop a compassion and an empathy because all of a sudden you see those aspects in yourself. And then it helps you mm-hmm. explain, okay, that's why shit's fucked up over there. <laughs> okay. I can relate to that. And to circle back around to something you said a little while ago too, Pete, about the darkness in us. People who refuse to except that are people who have not been taken to the edge of the abyss in their lives yet. Because I'll tell you what, given certain, certain circumstances, if you had to do something that you never thought you'd do, you, you would do it to survive. And, um, and so in the end of the day, if somebody hasn't been forced to do those things, you know, they really shouldn't be. I, I, I like to talk to the people who have gone over into the abyss and come back out alive. You know, people who have real blood on their hands and, and, uh, are turning that into gold now because they've been humbled by life and they, you know what I mean? That fire taught them something real, not in the book or not, but something real. So they actually embody it. I tend to trust people like that more in their wisdom than people who have not been put through the fire enough yet. You know what I mean? Um, and so I definitely have a darkness in me and I know where my, my psychopath in me lives. I know where my sociopath in me lives. I know where my Machiavellianism lives. I know where my narcissism lives and depending on the circumstance. And I learned all this as a sex worker, honestly, because when you're out there doing that kind of work, you're in danger. You can, you can be in danger. And if you're a Pollyanna in that work, you're going to get eaten. Do you know what I mean? Um, you're going to get eaten. So you have to understand these aspects in yourself because it's going to be part of the tool belt that you take in with you for survival. You cannot be too good to get your hands dirty. Do you know what I mean? So this is where you learn how to play with fire. Um, Now, a long time ago, would I have done some of the things I did? No. But when I was in those circumstances, I did. And I, you know, and it's nothing crazy. It's just, it's just stuff that maybe that most of us would be ashamed, like shamed for. Oh, I I would never do that. Well, you've never been forced. You've never been forced in that environment. You know, not, not just like sex work, but any environment, like, you know what I'm saying? So, um, the reason Westerners, a lot of Westerners in this new age environment and the spiritual environment that we see all over social media now they can see all those things because they can go to Starbucks and get, you know, a latte and, and, and they can wax on about philosophy and what's right and what's wrong. But 
they're living in a first world and they, they're full of comforts. Do you know what I mean? And and so they're not forced. They're not forced to figure that out. It's easy yeah. to judge people yeah. who are on the edge. Do you know? Um, so I, I just definitely wanted to, to say that um, for whatever it's worth. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I, mean, I think that's a good point. Like, cause I, I kind of wanted to ask, like, cause I was looking through your, you know, your content and like one of the things that I find most compelling about you is like, you're very direct. There's like no <laughs> bullshit. I don't think you don't seem to like suffer fools like <laughs> at all, you know? And, and I'm like, so how, like how, you know, I was going to ask like, how do you see through the bullshit? But I feel like you kind of just explained it. Like, can tell when someone's you know just talking about something like theoretically mm -hmm. versus like this is somebody who gets it like this is somebody who's experienced like the darkness or whatever and right you know i mean yes it's mm -hmm. hard to discern if you haven't been there i That's guess but but once you know you like if you know you know like i don't know it's it's yeah but i don't know maybe you can like elaborate that on that more because like i think you are like yeah just very direct and like no nonsense and i i appreciate that a lot because i think you know one of the things we talk about on this podcast <laughs> a lot is just like you know we just talk shit about the nonsense out there that you see on tiktok and how like kind of annoying it is that like you know people like pete you know who's been doing mediumship and and this kind of work for like many many years like <laughs> gets lumped in with somebody who like thinks they speak an alien an ancient alien language you know and because like i don't know maybe people do speak an ancient alien language i have no i don't know <laughs> i haven't i haven't been there i haven't experienced that but what what is what is that doing for the world? Like I right. can't figure it out. You know, like what is that? <laughs> I don't I don't know. It just it just seems like one of those like clickbaity things to me. Yeah. And like I feel like I can see through bullshit pretty well. I guess uh, I don't so know. Funny. I just I guess I want to. Well, I mean, there's a lot of spiritual bypass going on in, in our in this current like uh, a cult revival, sure. right? Um, and what's his name? Oh, it's like a cult renaissance. And Terrence McKenna talked called it. Um, archaic revival that's what he called it a long time ago and then in some women's circles they call it rewilding right to return but what's going on ultimately is western people are the most rootless people r-o-o-t-l-e-s-s -S -S, without root right we are we are the most rootless people mm. because we have been all of us well i can speak for just being american right have been our ancestors have been pulled up from their root consciousness from their earth based tribal knowledge and awareness and um it's been replaced with target and walmart and tj maxx and wendy's and you know these these things there's no real deeply soulful rooted culture here it's it, the culture is capitalism and consumerism and it's all very shallow so we can't have that as our back, cultural backdrop, and then all of a sudden, the spiritual, the, the new renaissance of occultists uh, come out, and, and they have roots all of a sudden. You know, it, it's just, it's not going to happen that way. Um, and so, in a lot of ways, it's 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 the emperor that's changed clothes. It's the it's the old boss. Hello, meet the new boss, which is the old boss, right? 
it's just the same shit. It's the same shit, just just transferred over. Um, <laughs> but that spiritual bypass is the same thing that happens in Abrahamic religion, in particular, like you know, with the whole Jesus thing, and give it to God. You know, it's there's a laziness there, there's a cowardice there, and there is no accountability. Oh shit! <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm following you. I'm just saying, like you just said it. Like, I don't know. That's something that's been kind of coming up for me in my life. Um, <laughs> like just dealing with yeah, just dealing well, with people who are I like understand it, and you know, it may sound very, like very a scared, cold person, but ultimately, and... I I I really really care so deeply about humanity, and no. I wanted to snap out of this dream where it's not reaching its full potential because it's afraid of the shadow it's afraid of the boogeyman but the boogeyman is not real it's all constructed and there's a greatness and i think in, in in everyone that is so authentic and magnificent um and, and this shit pisses me off because it's in the way it's in the way mm-hmm. yeah yes Do you think the boogie well i yes. was gonna say the boogeyman is us really you know um, cause I was even thinking about like, <laughs> you know, I, you always hear ascension and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. But I think like, to me, like, I think the next real step for us is right. knowing that we're God. Right. Like having the, the awareness of it, you know? And I was thinking like, that's almost like, if you want to put it dimensionally, I would say that's like fourth dimensional. Like you're living from your your heart, right? And we're in the third dimension. And I think duality is two dimensions. And it was like, I think duality served a purpose at one point. But I think the real evolution is moving into the fourth, like moving into your heart, which is your awareness of God. And like, you know, I think at that point, duality becomes parasitic in a sense. That's why I think like, I don't know. Jesus is like having his last uh, fight, you know, to like keep us in that structure. But I think right. it's you know, time Jesus to like move even on Jesus, to this like awareness I mean? of uh, all. It it's uh, he's become an idol, and that's the very thing about the Gnostics, the ancient Christians. You know, when when um, when when Christianity became the official religion of Rome in the three hundreds, um, Constantine. I'm having a brain fart. But when it became the official religion is when it symbolically that moment was like the union of the unholy marriage. Because now it's all about power so that they had to, the, the, the um, ancient Christians, the Gnostics, were kicked out. And a lot of people these days, they don't know about Gnosticism really. I mean, they kind of do, not really. They know about Satanism. And they think that Satanism is the um arch enemy mm. of the church and it's not satanism is really the controlled opposition and the true heretics are the gnostics in terms of the church okay not talking about like judaism or islam inside of this abrahamic triad right we're talking about christianity and which is you know <laughs> that's in our soup <laughs> it's in our it's in our food it's everywhere right um so, you know, it, it's really the third point of that, of that space. 
So Gnosticism is, is in, in terms of becoming our own liberator, is the greatest threat to the power. Because then we're no longer codependent. We're, we're, we have, we're learning how to rescue ourselves. We're awakening. And the institution crumbles that way. The institution cannot exist when each individual awakens. And in terms of all awakening to being God, you know, I, I, I kind of don't say that even though, yes, I agree. <clears throat> I, what I say is we're each avatars of the great creator. And the reason, the reason I say that is because the word God has such a loaded connotation yeah. now that in, in a lot of, there's, there's a lot of narcissism that's been projected yeah. onto it, whether we like it or not. And so to come up with a new way to express it, I think is necessary to avoid, to avoid that. Right. And just be like, we're each avatars of the great creator. Um, mm -hmm. I think breaks it down because we are, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always right. try. I I try to use like in my own practice, like mm -hmm. infinite intelligence. You know, like the like it's really awareness. You know, and it's like any time I've had, I guess, uh, significant experiences, yeah. mm -hmm. it's always been like a grand awareness. You know, and it's like seeing or like feeling past duality. I would say, like, you know, there's no right. time. There's no space. It's just awareness. Yeah, there's no like other almost. It's just like you can like those moments. If you have those moments right. where you feel like you're connected to everything and everyone, you know. Um, yeah, it's both terrifying. Yeah. And mm. blissful. Yep. I always think of like Kali's like scream. I don't know. Like the primal the, the, scream. That like shock. Right. Of yeah. like awareness. Well, the epif epiphanies are, yeah. if you think about it, when we have epiphanies, it feels like we remembered That's something. That's what it feels like to me, at least. You know, um, something that we had forgotten and who knows when we forgot it, but that's what they feel like to me. Yeah. Yeah. That may, that actually is, God, like, that resonates a lot for me. I've never, like, put it, you know, thought of it like that. But mm. it does sort of feel like almost like deja vu in a way. Like, when I have yeah. deja vu, it's, I always feel like, you know, I must have seen this in a dream. Like, I've been here before, you know? And, like, um, I think that's also, like, a mm. weird kind of, like, remembering, but just in a... A kind of mundane day-to-day -day way um but yeah that's that's an interesting point i i don't know i'm like yeah i just i i feel like you were meant to be on here because for one gnosticism is something um i hear a lot about i've never quite been able to like wrap my brain around what it is um just because i think like maybe people hone in on certain ideas or or pieces of it uh just talking to you here and putting the pieces together i'm sort of seeing like is there some is there like a way you describe gnosticism i would say gnosticism like, is i don't know if you're embodied your first first hand knowledge and 
everything else is not gnosis. <laughs> but yeah, so like, well, gnosis is your embodied knowledge, which you've earned through your own risk taking, okay. <laughs> your own decisions. What you were there, like I was here, yeah. you know, on the map, you know, and this is what I did, what I did. I didn't learn this knowledge from so and so who wrote a book about it, or so and so is my friend and they did it. So all of a sudden you are that because you're in proximity to the one who did it. That's, that's still not, it's, it's the most sacred knowledge one can earn because you earned it with your own body because you were there and you paid yeah. attention to, to whatever it, it was, what it is that you're doing. Um, you paid attention, you know, while you were doing it. And then after that second, secondhand knowledge, third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand, and then it starts to move out further and further away mm -hmm. from the self. And the more that it moves out further away from the self and, and we, that's what I'm saying, going to university and doing these things, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. You know, I'm very scholarly myself, but it's more of a profaned knowledge because you didn't come to it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, you read it in a book. Some uh, somebody else told you, and I feel like I mean, would I be wrong to say that like going to church is kind of a a similar thing? Like if you're just list, if you are getting, mm -hmm. if you're learning about God through your pastor or your priest, like is that kind of that's not exactly firsthand knowledge. Like that's not lived experience. Like you can have experiences in church, I guess, but like, but, but like. I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, you know, how it connects to sort of Christi like the Christianity we have today. And like, because I think, I mean, I'm in the South and I've talked about this many times, but like, mm. the so I'm in Tennessee, like the Southern Christian culture is like, you don't, yeah. you don't touch anything that is not Jesus from the Bible. The Bible is literal. Every word is, is the word of God it's read literally not metaphorically um and you know the only person you're supposed to go to for guidance is like god jesus whatever through prayer and you're like right. your pastor right so well there's now, really now no you're you're now you see this is what happened was the only like way towards liberation is through <laughs> your priest who um, talks to the the pope and then the pope is the one that talks to jesus and you know, so all of a sudden you're disempowered and you become codependent, right? Um, in that way. And this is how codependency can perpetuate itself in the church and in these sorts of dogmatic ways uh -huh. of looking at, you know, spirituality. And this is why the priest will tell you, Well, you don't know anything, you're just a child, don't do that, you don't know what you're talking about. Um and, and so this is why the Gnostics are are the most feared or, or the biggest threat to that institution or uh, you know uh, right yeah okay that's the that's like yeah my mind is like kind of blown right now because mm -hmm. i just feel like you put some things to like yeah put the puzzle together for me a little bit because I've always, I didn't grow up going to church. Like I wasn't raised religious at all. Um, like my parents sort of were like mm -hmm. some degree, maybe. Um, like my, like my mom was, had like a very, very Catholic grandma, <laughs> but like, you know, she wasn't, I don't know. They just didn't raise me like that. And so my whole 
journey through all of this has been like mm-hmm. just me figuring it out and I guess I've always kind of right. been like why can't we have like why <laughs> why does one thing have to be right like why can't we like I see how all the you know whether you call it Allah or you call it Buddha or you call it like why how, how can right. how are people mm-hmm. unable to see that these things are actually really connected and and like there's truth in all of it or whatever you know even like stuff like those kinds of things I'm like that makes sense to me um and I don't want to I can't I can't be the one to say like you're going to hell because you're Muslim or you're Hindu or something like I can't that I can't rationalize and you know and, and myself, that's, but like that's very irrational that's what is super church teaching um, so. another thing I wanted to share just another kind of example you guys is you know I always talk about imagine um indigenous you know indigenous people and tribes and you know you have the chief of the tribe who'd gather his people and they sit in a circle and he looks over at little big bear and little big bears there and then dances with wolves and I don't know, last with coyotes, whatever, <laughs> you know, all the different names, right? The people get because that's who they are. And, and so they, they observe who these people are when they're growing up and then they name them what it is that they continue to do. And so they name them that because clearly that's who they are. Right. Um, and, and so you're in a circle and the chief asked little big bear or something, Hey, tell us what it's been like to be little big bear. So then little big bear says, Oh, this is what I've learned about being who I am from this point of view. This, this is, this is what I learned about reality goes around the circle and asks, you know, dances with wolves, you know, uh, what has it been like to be you? And, and over here, what is it like to be you? None of them are wrong. They're, they're all right. And, and what they're doing is they're bringing to the circle, to the center, they are helping to fill the missing pieces of the puzzle one by one so they're not competing with each other because there's no competing you can't be little big bear if if you're dancing with wolves your job is to be that and and this is what we do not have in the west um we we don't have that we are living in a hierarchical space which is why narcissism has grown and also the fight for resources wants people to be more special because that seems to go along with making more money and, and surviving. Right. So that all is connected. Uh, the codependency of the church that lives in all of our collective minds in one way or the other as Westerners is there. So then we got that code. So see, it's a mess. It's a mess. We don't have the tribal elders anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't have the medicine men and women anymore. We, we are not told when it's time to be initiated to the next level, because we have been um, working with and closely with our elders and they, they're the ones who can tell us when we're ready or not, you know, in integrity, we don't, we've lost all of that. We, we've lost all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel uh, like, Pete, were you going to say something? Oh, no. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, how well, how do we get it back? And I kind of wanted to say, <laughs> and I kind of wanted to hear about um, the Lilith well, Academy and I've like your about, idea you know, of working with um, people. Which, by the way, this has been so amazing. Like, I, I needed this. Like, it was medicine for me today, you know? <laughs> so did I. And I feel, I'm sure Pete feels the same way. Like, we always. 
I don't know. Sometimes the, the you say that we don't have like yeah, the right. tribal elders anymore. Like well, in a way, to, like right. isn't that what you're trying mm-hmm. to do? Right. Like be that right. person. Um, that's exactly it. But yeah, like or like to be able to recognize like, who those people you know, are. You know, when yeah. everybody's fighting for for specialness, you know, and then it's just it's kind of loud out there, right? And you have to have discernment, and, and like you talked about earlier, um, as well. But uh, with all my work, what I do with the Lilith Academy is, I mean, I have a, a long program and then I have these little mini satellite salons that are um, growing. And But ultimately, all of the work I do is to help people come back to the root and look at the contrast of nature versus culture and be able to tell the difference um, within and how that lives in you. So that you can begin the inner work of truly dismantling that within yourself because that is a path of gnosis, right? And helping people with their story. What is it that you know and how did you come to know it? And help people recapitulate. Like, oh my God, I knew this because of this. This is real empowerment. This is a return to your body, to your earned knowledge. And when you do that, you start snapping out of the dream that the institution has forced all of us to live under, you know? Um, and you start to see the stark difference in ways that you can articulate it and organize it, which I think helps anxiety. And I think that the depression you go through once in a while, Ruby, I, I do too. I'm a cancer as well. I'm a cancer son as well. <laughs> right. So I think it's an existential dread that how can, how the hell can we not feel, oh, oh, feel cool. this dread if we have any empathy or compassion? Or, or we're curious people and we're living in this, man. I mean, how can you not feel yeah. that way? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How can you not kind of feel the collective pain of like everything to some yeah. degree? Right. Or, or even just like, I think sometimes to me, I feel like powerless. Um, and I think like that's probably goes back to the kind of codependency stuff that you were talking about. Um, just like feeling like disempowered, um, like there's nothing you can do about this, you know. And like there are things. No, I no, no. I mean, do you guys are. There's doing plenty this. that I can I mean, do. Jumped in like, and just. I don't know. Anyway, it didn't mean to create this podcast. Yeah. And and sometimes you know when we're in that creative process, we don't really always know what we're doing. But you 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 got to start. And um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's sort of how I started with this. I just was like, you know what. Now that I have enough raw material from <laughs> gathered, I gathered so much information in my life as a sex worker. I was a stripper and a dominatrix, and I understand how power works. and And I see that people don't know what power really is in a deep primordial sense, or even culturally. And so, that's the work I do is to help us return to those places because I think in, in doing that, it's helped me. I became so desperate. I became so desperate for relief myself that I, I created all this to help me cope with this reality. And so, so then I just turned it into work that I could share with other people and, and courses and, and it's just been growing and growing ever since. So it is born out of my own suffering and desire to stop suffering as much as I possibly can, or at least to give myself tools, you know, to help me move through this fuckery, you know? Um, so that's ultimately what this work I do with people is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, like, I feel like sex is such a great topic because I mm-hmm. feel like it's such a yes kind of like I think it's the fastest path to like your unconscious. Right. You know, like the more you're aware of like your own sexual energy and like what you know what it stirs up within you because even like i you know i've mostly learned stuff from spirit and like books uh i've never like had any like formal training of anything really but through my own like experimenting and practice it's like i i had an awareness like last the other week or whatever that like it's really like your sexual energy is like a microcosm of everything you are, you know, with your, from traumas, your ancestors, everything you experience in your life, because in the reality, in the physical form, it really is that because, you know, it's your, you know, I guess, life force. well, I was going to say seed, but that just doesn't sound good. (laughs) Um, But it's like it is in an essence. It's like who you mm-hmm. are, and that's how it, it carries on your yeah genetics, you know, or like even the epigenetics of it. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, this this is ultimately my biggest thesis. Is, um, inside into you know that. the reason I I work a lot with Lilith, and it's called the Lilith Academy, is because um to me. The fact that Lilith has been do we do we know do you know who Lilith is by the way just to make I don't want to assume that anyone or everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yes, but like just to explain it because they're like okay, if people okay, cool. don't know you know like if you want to get like, Lilith your, has been you know, we, uh, we know her through Jewish like uh, we do, but, mythology. This is where she was born. Um, out of Jewish mythology and. And in Jewish mythology, she is a, a demoness succubus, right? And she was Adam's first wife. And she's not in the Old Testament. It's it, She doesn't live there. Eve lives in the Old Testament. But the reason that Eve was created is because Lilith told Adam she wasn't going to make him a sandwich, basically, right? Because he wanted her to make <laughs> She wanted, he wanted her to make him a sandwich. And she was just like, no, dude, you know, I'm not here for you. I'm here with you. And that's different. That's different. <laughs> and there was a tantrum. And this is the story. And he, well, he didn't, he didn't like that. So she took off and blasphemed, said the name of God to the Red Sea. And then um, God made Eve out of Adam's rib. And the thing about Lilith is she was made out of the same mud. So she was made out of the same soot and mud as Adam. So she was equal Whereas Eve was made out of Adam's rib. So in a lot of ways, Eve is the reflection of Adam. Um, in the same way, like in Greek mythology, Zeus, Athena was born out of Zeus's mind. So she's she's also born of his mind. So then the story is that Eve is more docile and more malleable, right, as, as, a, as a consequence. Um, and, and the whole thing about Lilith is that she, in the way I teach it, is she's the feminine of nature and Eve is the feminine of culture. And I work a lot with women who are looking to understand the difference within themselves and examine like these aspects within them. And as a consequence, look out into the world and can see those aspects in the world. Um, and so that's why I call it the, the Lilith Academy, because everything I do is centered around that kind of medicine. And and that kind of uh, bring that that awareness to to people, specifically women. I work with some men, but I mostly work with women. 
Oh, and, and, oh, just to go back to the sex thing. The reason I saw all of this dichotomy is because of my experience. Yeah. And the way we treat sex is the way we treat life. And we are a very suppressed people and have a lot of sexual shame. And uh, um, this is why we have a lot of fascism and a lot of extremism, because it is the misuse of life force. It's been the misuse of, of the chi energy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, something okay. else I've been noticing, too, I don't, like, I don't understand it yet. I'm still kind of obviously working through things. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I've kind of explored like uh, more Taoist stuff, which is like keeping the energy within kind of using the energy to cultivate your own body and stuff like that. And then I've kind of explored the more mm -hmm. alchemical sense of like using it to create gold and for me, that's kind of expand using it to expand your consciousness and kind of um, using it to go up and out, if you want to say. I guess that's the best way to describe that. Um, but I've also noticed, like, from doing this type of work, is when I am more sacred with this energy, I feel like the collective energies don't affect me as much. And I don't really understand yet why, um, but I just, I kind of find it interesting and I feel like you're connected to that. So I thought I'd bring it up just like why you may think that is B. Oh, I think that, or, it's, I think it stopped recording and then it, it started recording again, uh, 28 seconds ago. Uh, we should be good. I mean, I don't know. It's still recording on my end. Oh, okay. So cool. I have everybody. Yeah. I turned my mic off and on um, or muted myself but it should be it's is yeah it should be fine it, yeah we could we'll be able it. to edit we'll add it out okay cool um all right cool um ask me the question again then because i got i got distracted with something weird that was happening on my end <laughs> yeah so um it might have been the archons but uh <laughs> no like i find that like when i've started to be more sacred with that energy mm. And kind of keeping it to myself and like um, really being focused with it, I find that I f the collective energy doesn't affect me. Yes. Right. Like the collective issues don't affect me as much. And I'm just curious, like your thoughts, because I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm kind of just trial and error and experimenting and see what comes up. And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on like why that would be well it, doing that is sort of a practice of sovereignty right and so that that's pretty much what that is and in, in, um, in terms of creating boundaries with your energy and learning how to use that magically but it's common is that common sense you know all magic is is really <clears throat> a remembrance of 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 this like natural truth and any natural truth is a divine truth. Anything that is a natural truth is a divine truth. A cultural truth is a profaned truth. So what you're doing when you do that hyperconsciously is maintaining your sovereignty and drawing your energy from the pure source and not drawing it 
You're drawing it from the up and down. You're not drawing it from uh, the left and right, which pulls from the dirty pool. You're you're pulling from the up and down, which is the sky and the and the earth, which is the pure yeah. the pure source, and and that is your life force, right? And you're, when you do that, you create energetic sovereignty, and and doing that is also protection and boundary, um, and so that's what you're doing. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I never even like really thought about it like that, to be honest. And it, it's it's thought- sort of tantric, right? Um, tantra what the West has done to Tantra is profaned it <laughs> quite a bit because we have projected our own uh, sexual suppression and hyper-focused on genitalia in a lot of ways uh, and sex, you know, on, on Tantra. And, and, and really Tantra is about the unification of the masculine feminine, right? It's about learning how to use your sexual life force, your Kundalini, your force to, to stay sovereign and clean basically. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I imagine you uncover a lot of <laughs> just like deeper stuff. Like when you're doing this work, when you you're working with clients um, oh. at the Love Academy, like where where <laughs> do you see common themes of like resistance or triggers? You know, um, well, first of all, I have like a, an application process, and so I I really try to at the very front end make sure that people are really ready to do this kind of work uh, before, cause you know, I'm not a therapist and I don't want to be a therapist. Right. I, I don't sure. want to do that. Even though this work is therapeutic and I am kind of, I am a mentor and a facilitator. I also want to take responsibility and um, only offer this to people who are really ready to do it. So it's really rare that people get triggered, but even when they do, uh, you know, they have enough awareness because of the filter, the filtering process that I have at the beginning to be like, Oh, wow, I was triggered. And to be radically honest and vulnerable because I, I cultivate a space where it's very safe to, to be like, Oh my God, I'm so naked right now. And I'm like, good, mm-hmm. that's good. This is a place to be naked. Is That's good that you're here, you know? Um, because yeah. that's great. This is fantastic. Where else are you going to do this? You know? Um, so this is the place to do it. And and we just walk through the nakedness of it and we look through it together. And and then at the end, you're like, oh my God, it was a much big, smaller boogeyman than I thought it was. Um, and so that's, I kind of sit in hell with people. I don't try to get them out of it. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, that's actually like exactly kind of the response I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Um, just because I think like, you know, there can be this like trap as like a spiritual practitioner, no matter what you do, that you end up like being a therapist and like walking people, like trying to like talk people down. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a just having the boundaries and and being, uh, you know, being able to filter people, you know, be able to tell if people are ready for this, um, is like really important. I think anybody who wants to you know, have a business like that, like needs to be able to, to set those kinds of boundaries. But also, um, I'm, I, I'm one to believe that like, whatever I'm feeling, I need to just be with it for a while. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't need to try to like, you know, you talk about sitting in hell with people. Well, <laughs> like, 
that's better than trying to be like, oh, I'm so out of control. I need to get my shit together. Like that's, you know, shaming your, trying to shame yourself out of it. Yes. You're like, which is most people's response to like intense emotion. That's great. You're alive. The less I resist it, like (laughs) the better, the easier it is to move through it. Um, And I was just going to say like, I'm the opposite. So (laughs) um, I'm an Aquarius. So I'm like, (laughs) boom what's next you know it's like it's like i felt that okay i'm done feeling that like it's not being to me it always feels like it's not productive which is definitely like the capitalist like mindset of like always keep moving you know mm-hmm. right 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 and and like i struggle with like i try to sit in things sometimes and i'm just like i'll start sitting in it and i'll be like all right like let's go we got to keep going like pick up your stuff and move you know well you know i'm glad you're saying that pete uh because a little while ago you brought up alchemy and um ruby this for both of you this is great because the the rawest most pure materials are in the deepest darkness and the good news when you are in this kind of deep darkness uh or fear or, or trigger or whatever that is right a hell, your uh, whatever that hell is. The good news there is, oh wow, I have an oppor- I am surrounded by purity. I am surrounded yeah. by the most pure materials. Oh my God, it's like being in a mine, right? Or being uh, underground and working with raw materials that people do not ever see or touch, and they are pure. So, oh my God, I actually can reframe this experience and be like. Ooh, what are these raw materials that are here? What are the diamonds? What is what's the gold? This is so pure. And then all of a sudden it, it changes the framework a little bit. And and you can lean in with curiosity and not judgment. Like become curious while you're in hell. And mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, what what is this raw material? What is this? and then it is from that pure material that you make the best medicine, the most potent medicine. It's authentic. It's real. And this is another way to look at the path of gnosis, right? It was like, oh my God, this is my raw material. Yeah. And, and this is my medicine. And this is good. Yeah. This is good news. And so to become curious about what it is, is the trick. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's funny because we're talking about all this and before we podcast today i was i've been like building a relationship with jupiter mm-hmm. um and i kind of i incorporated him i see him as like a green like knight that's how i see him mm-hmm. but um i was doing some drumming with him today and mm-hmm. i saw like he showed me like this like this like child and it was like you could only see the child's eyes and it was he was covered in black, like total darkness. Mm. And he was telling me that like, this is like the darkest aspect of me. Mm. And, oh, wow. and I kept trying to like wash him and like kind of move away from it and wash him. I kept trying to wash him. And then he told me to like sit in it. And I just like sat in this like darkness with this, like, cause I got this sense, like the darkest aspect of me is also like the most innocent aspect of me. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so, it reminded me of like I had a rough child, whatever, rough childhood, and 
like the darkest aspects were when I was like the most innocent because mm. I didn't know what to expect. Right. Which led to more fear than ever because it's like you, you're, you as a child have the finish, uh, the thought that, it, you know, total innocence. So like when you experience fear, it's like the darkest fear because you mm. kind of can't understand it. Right. You don't even know like what you're afraid of. Is that sort of what you mean? Or yeah, like it's like you can't even comprehend the fear because it's like you only like you're you're pure. Yes. You know. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because it kind of tied into what we were talking about. Well, I'll think about what the <clears throat> excuse me. What excuse me? Hold on. Sorry. Um, I told you I had like some allergies, but think about what the church has done to the darkness. It's demonized it. You know. Um, and so then in our collective consciousness, people who say that they're not even religious or that, you know, a lot of times it's, this has been so deeply ingrained that it's just passed on through generations. The darkness is evil. The unknown is evil. The demons live there, but truly what lives there is the most potent truth and the lie mm. and the lie is lives in the light. It doesn't live in the darkness. The darkness is where actually the purest truths are. And that's what's been demonized. I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think the, you know, if you talk about the church, it, it exists because it people see it as the the way yes. and the truth, right? Like, th that's the only way to be to have eternal life or to save your soul or whatever you however people want to put it um but you know with if you start if you start finding that there's truth outside of that if the church isn't you know if you're bypassing the darkness mm. through you know church or, or whatever belief system you're you're not accessing your your own inner truth which is different for all of us you know pete's the the your darkness right is different than mine or or mm -hmm. Criselda's or you know it's it's different for everybody um and that can't be just like universally taught like by the church you know and so it, if we're if we start accessing truth through those kinds of places like the church would cease to exist we wouldn't have a need for it uh anymore well, like remember, a lot remember of institutions telling you this is the path of gnosis and 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 they the ancient Christians were like, yeah, Jesus's message was, the kingdom of God lives within you. That means you are your own salvation. And then what the church did was inverted. Yeah, they inverted it. Um, and so this is ultimately, we are we are living in the consequence of that inversion. Right now. Yeah, I I just think it like it really yeah. explains my aversion of church. <laughs> like I could, I guess, like yeah, I don't know. I I've always had this like I don't really feel good when I'm here. Like this kind of is a stressful environment. Like these people are telling me a lot of scary things. Like not just for myself, but it's like okay, you're telling me everybody I love is gonna go to hell because yeah. they don't go to church. You know. <laughs> a horrible thought and i can't get down with that and maybe you know maybe i don't want to look at the darkness i don't know <laughs> but that's just like it's just never resonated for me and i've always had this like aversion yeah i feel much closer to god just like 
out in nature or like listening to a certain song or what like what something that like moves uh, me and like makes me yeah uh, like touches something deep within me right um but when I'm having to like when I'm faced with somebody who's telling me like what the truth is and, and it could right. just be like my anti-authority like issues <laughs> but but, uh, but I don't know like I just feel like that's always been something that like freaks me out and makes me feel like uh further away uh from from myself from god whatever and i i don't know it's like that that just i don't know it's a thing and your discernment you know uh yeah i don't know the darkness though yeah Yeah. i'm saying that you have to trust your discernment and what your body's telling you yeah right yeah that's my point don't trust your body like not <laughs> yeah, like, but you're taught not yeah. to, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't trust your body. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, it also ties into your self worth. It's like if you start to trust yourself, at least you. That and you do know, you see what I mean? How yeah, me, you, you just came to it yourself, you know? Ruby. Where it's like, okay, now I can see how this would totally just um bring down all the institutions. <laughs> You know, you know, the path of Gnosis. Now, look, the East has their own version of this. You know, Buddha, uh, what I'm talking about when I talk about Gnosis and even Lilith, this is a Western story. This this story of Lilith and the story of Gnosis or Gnosticism is a Western empire mythology, a story. This is our psychosis. Uh, the, the East has a different experience than we have, right? Even though colonization and you know the, the the cross and jesus and the church have have gone and we've definitely influenced the world at this point but do you know what i mean the west was founded off the mythology of the abrahamic mythology that we were founded on that and that matters that matters yeah um so uh we're coming up on an hour and a half in closing is there anything you want to share or um, sure. where people um, can you find you the lilithacademy.com uh, good stuff you'll see a video um at the at the very beginning of it and you can just subscribe to the website you can go to my instagram which is cristelda underscore pacheco underscore and you'll see me in red up in that little profile picture you can always reach me there um, I'm about to launch or relaunch the website, mm-hmm. so it's almost done, but you can definitely go there and subscribe to it now uh, just to get news for all the things that I'm doing. And you can also make appointments with me. You can write me through my website or on Instagram if you want to make an appointment with me and so on. But but yeah, I mean, I ultimately, what I want to say is, and why I do this work is, I I want true liberation for humanity so desperately. So, so desperately, how much more fun would it be living here, <laughs> right? Um, if, if we're not afraid of our own shadows anymore <laughs> and uh, we learn to liberate our yeah. own minds and then we don't compete anymore. We celebrate each other's greatness and not in a narcissistic way, right? But in a way that is more pure. And um, this is how you bring in a utopia instead of the encroaching dystopia that we are experiencing now. Um, and my my heart is is in this work, my whole entire soul, and that's what I mm. that's what I want 
am I perfect in sometimes the way I deliver things? Maybe not, but I feel like I don't want to miss my words and I don't want to lead people on. So I like to be straightforward so that people know, you know what I mean? There's no second guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think that definitely comes through, uh, you know, if you, if you watch your videos and everything like you, I can, in talking to you now, obviously, like I can feel how much your, your heart is in it. And I definitely can see, um, that you're just trying to, to speak to, to people's hearts and like, Mm -hmm. and, and, we feel the we feel the same way about liber- liberation and yeah. freedom and like in some way we're that's what we're trying to do here um, yeah. too. But we'll definitely like you know put your links in our episode description so you you guys listening can find it there. Um, yeah. Anything else? Pete? Oh my god! Yeah, that's it. Thanks for thank listening. For inviting and, me. Uh, it was a wonderful. Thank, thank you so much, Griselda. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. You too.